You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I want to add my appreciation for the, the guys who all served this week for the Oz Elders time. It was probably one of the best we've had in years. And so thank you. That was God spoke to, to us as elders and something significant for the nation. So thank you, guys. Well done. I want to talk about uh, strengthening your marriage. 1 Timothy 4.16 talks about life and doctrine. Doctrine is about God and his ways. Life is applying that to how we live. This is one of those life things. It's wonderful how God made marriage. Before I get into it, I just want to acknowledge that uh, nothing is original. This doesn't originate with me. It's a culmination of a lot of years of gathering, but people like Dudley and Ann Daniel have had tremendous impact on Mary and I's life. Leon and Pat Vandal, number of books we've read over the years. Uh, if you Afterwards, if you want something more in-depth, a good book is uh, Emerson e- Egerich's Love and Respect. All those have had, had impact. I want to tell you that God instituted marriage, not governments. Marriage existed before governments existed. Governments have simply acknowledged what God instituted, what God made. And it's really, really wonderful. Marriage is one of those things that when it's done God's way is probably one of the greatest blessings in your life. But when it's not done God's way and it's done, done the way of the world, it can be one of the greatest f- sources of hurt and and difficulty. So we want to know God's way. You know, God's word, his pattern is like the uh, handbook when you get a new car. It tells you how it functions. Nobody reads the handbook. You know, we all think we know it until we have a problem. And then we go back and read it. But the, the handbook tells you that in your car, if you put gas in the gas tank and water in the radiator and oil in the crankcase, it'll work pretty well. But you know, it's your car. When you get it home, you can say, nah, I don't want to put gas in it. I don't want to put oil in it. It'll go for a little while, but then it begins to break down. Or you can actually say, it's my car. I'm going to put gas in the radiator. I'm going to put water in the crate case, and I'm going to put oil in the gas tank. You're going to be pushing that car. It's just dumb. But it's your car. How much better to build God's way? Wisdom. You can continue to grow and be strengthened in your marriage as long as you've been alive, as long as you're married. Mary and I have been married 40 years. Uh, we were both saved. Loved the Lord when we got married, but we're, we're growing. We're learning. Uh, wonderful thing. It's, it's, as I say, one of the greatest sources of joy. Uh, growing older with my best friend. God's plan is fantastic. Have I got too long? I'm getting a dig. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So you didn't think I was going to read that one, did you? Those of you who know Ephesians 5 thought I was going to read another scripture. (laughs) Chapter 6, verse 13 says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, I think these two are parentheses. 
recognizing that there's an evil day we live. And then it gives us four things to give attention to in this evil day. It's not the devil. In this evil day, give attention to being filled with the Spirit, marriage, family, and business. Those are the things that the devil attacks. So we want to talk about marriage from that standpoint. The whole world lies under the influence of the evil one. We don't want his plan. We want God's plan. I believe there's an attack on marriage. Now, when I say that, I don't mean the institution of marriage. I mean your marriage. There's an attack of the enemy on your marriage because your marriage represents Christ in the church. Marriage in the world doesn't represent Christ in the church. It's built on a different foundation. Even though God instituted, your marriage is the one the devil doesn't like. You still with me? So we want to strengthen the marriage. If you're single, this is, you're in the right place at the right time. Because this is for you more than people who are married because you can lay the foundation and not have to undo something to redo something. Best thing, but no matter how long you've been married, we can build God's way. 1 Peter 3, 7. Says husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. As to a weaker vessel, that word weaker literally in Greek means delicate, like a crystal vase, vase, as opposed to a hand thrown pottery. It doesn't say she's weaker, it says as to a weaker vessel. It's saying give honor, live with understanding. As being heirs together in this grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That's an interesting statement. I want to tell you, men, that if you don't honor your wife, it actually hinders your prayers. That's what it says. That's pretty heavy duty, isn't it? Why? Because God has made us to be one. Back over in uh, Galatians chapter 5. Now I'm going to read the part that you thought I was going to read. <laughs> Ephesians. Did I say Galatians? I meant Ephesians. Ephesians 5. From verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Two are one. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We're members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. And then he quotes Genesis chapter 2. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let's, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I've read that for years, and all of a sudden that jumped out at me. He's talking about love, and then he says, but let the wife respect her husband. Whoa, 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 whoa. How come the men have to love and 
He doesn't say, women, you have to love your husband. He says you have to respect your husband. Bottom line is, and I'm going to tell you in just a moment, women need love. Men need respect. Women know how to love. They don't need to be encouraged. Men know how to respect. But they need to be encouraged to love. You look at all the old Western movies or gang movies. It's all about respect. Don't disrespect me. You know, you do the wrong thing. And, and men are very, very susceptible, very aware of honor and respect. Well, women are very aware of love and connecting. So three points. I want to give you two that I don't have time to really talk about. Three major points. And I'm going to spend more time on the third one this morning and then this evening. Okay? I've broken it in half. I'll tell you about that in just a second. Okay? First major point, recognize you're a team. The two are one. It means you don't exclude one another. There's another word for that in the Bible. It's called covenant. See, we're in this together. We're a team. Covenant is different than contract. Contract says, if you do your part, I'll do my part. That's how the world sees marriage. Covenant says, everything I have is yours. I'm in it, this 100%. It's an all-in thing. Contract has just a little bit of, you do your part, and then I'll do my part. Second major point, I could spend a long time talking about covenant because it's one of my favorite things. Covenant is the greatest connection in every society and culture on the planet. It represents God's covenant with us. God didn't have a contract with us. He had a covenant. He gave it all. I, I would love to get into that, but I, I'm not going to take time. Two, second major point. Assume a positive intent. We're talking about strengthening your marriage. Assume a positive intent. He or she actually has a good heart. Now, that... that expression is actually used by Apple in their training of managers to run their stores. That's their number one principle in everything they do. Assume a positive intent. Someone does something wrong, you assume that they got it wrong, but they didn't intend to do it wrong. They didn't intend to mess everything up. Assume a positive intent. It's actually just another way of saying 1 Corinthians 13. Love expects the best. So the first major principle was covenant. The second is love. Love is a choice for someone else's best. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. Because if I don't have warm, you know, unfortunately, I mean, you guys who know my wife know how absurd this is, but there have been times in our marriage I haven't had warm, fuzzy feelings. Now, it's hard to believe if you know Mary. But, there's been, but I choose something anyway. Yeah. You know what happens? You're designed so that your feelings follow your choices. Yeah. It's kind of like a car pulling a trailer. The car goes and the trailer just follows right behind you. You make choices and your feelings will eventually get in, in line. Yeah. But you ever try to back up a car with a trailer? It's, it can be difficult. You can do it if you're really, really careful, but you've never seen a car 
backing down the freeway with a trailer behind it at 100 k's an hour. It's going to crash. You allow your emotions to determine what you do and the decisions you make, and you're going to crash. But you make choices, and your emotions will get in line. Love is a choice for someone's highest. I choose to love my wife. Huh? It is for her easy. The opposite of love is not hate. See, if love was a warm, fuzzy feeling, then the opposite of that would be an unwarm, fuzzy feeling, which is hate. But because love is a choice for someone else's highest, the opposite of love is selfishness. I choose myself. This is how the world works. Let me tell you, without Jesus, you have no other choice but to be selfish. You can't be religiously loving. You can do good things, but it's always based on selfishness. Again, I, I, I'm, I, I wish I could spend more time on this. I don't. I want to get to the third one. Third major point is communication. And it's this. She needs love. He needs respect. So do you communicate in a way that she can understand and can hear, or that he can understand and hear. Why does it tell women to respect their husband? Because women are really easy, really good at love. They get this thing. It's a connecting thing. A uh, doctoral student once they asked a bunch of students, women, about defining connection, connectivity. And they basically came to the conclusion they can't do it, but they know it when it happens. So I'm going to define for you connectivity. So I want to speak first to the men this morning. And unfortunately, I'm going to only speak to the women this evening. Now, I, ha I, have, a, I have a plan here because all you women will like me after we're finished because I've been speaking to your, your men, but then... Hopefully the men will like me after tonight. <laughs> so I want to speak to the men. How to express love to her so she can hear. Connectivity. And, and I've, because we're men, I've given you an acronym. I've put it into an acronym. COUPLE. C-O-U-P-L-E. Now, women, it's okay if you take notes while I'm speaking to the men, but just pull in those sharp elbows. Okay, when I say something, don't, don't give one, because you'll get yours later. Because I'm going to speak on women respecting their husband tonight, and, and the only way we could do it was to break this into two, women, you need to come back. And husbands, you need your wife here this evening. So whatever you have to do, Make it possible. You've got to get a babysitter, get a babysitter. If somebody has to, to stay home, you do it. If it means washing the dishes so you get here on time, wash the dishes. Do whatever it takes. I guarantee you, you will appreciate it after tonight. So, how to express the love to her. A couple. C is close. Actually means listen to her. Women need face-to-face -face time. I'll tell you tonight, men need shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. It's a different thing. 
I'll explain that. But we're talking to the men about women. Women need face-to-face time. They need you to actually look at them in your face. When she's talking, it's not just because she has leftover words that she needs to use before she goes to bed. She's actually wanting to connect. She's expressive, responsive, and so there is this face-to-face. As I said earlier, I have this wonderful power of concentration, and I can read a book. And I grew up in a in a big family in a very small home with a lot of noise, and I would do my homework, and I could read and tune everything out, and I still can't. So I read a book, and I don't hear anything. So Mary has learned that if she talks to me, nothing is going in unless I put the book down and look at her. Our boys learned that because she would say, have you spoken to your dad? Oh, yeah, I talked to him. He was reading. (laughs) Did he look at you? Ah, no. Okay, you didn't talk to him. So she needs face-to-face time. So close. We're talking about connectivity. We're talking about expressing love to her so she can hear it. Open. It's one thing to listen. The other thing is to actually talk. You can't close her out. Women, when you are dealing with something and men have this thing that feels like I can talk about it when I'm out of the process and have reached the conclusion, sometimes she just needs to be part of the process. And so you get quiet and you close her out and that says to her, we're not connecting. It doesn't communicate. You think it communicates love because for you, you don't want to burden her with the process and so you're going to wait until you get the whole thing dealt with and then you'll tell her about it. She wants the opposite. Other thing is sometimes it's honorable. We were raised as men with this idea of not doing or saying the wrong thing. It's honorable. Men are are into honor. I was raised with the Clint Eastwood model. You know. He say everything with a look. His movies had 26 words (laughs) in the whole movie. It was all a look. You know, so uh, we think that not saying the wrong thing is honorable, and it is. But sometimes we just need to communicate the process. C-O-U, understanding. We read in 1 Peter 3, 7. Understanding, give honor as heirs together. What does that mean? It means a number of things, but one of the things it means is this. Understanding means, men, you don't have to fix everything. We have this issue, our way of looking at things. When men get together and we talk about something, it's because it's an issue and we want to fix it. And so we think that when my wife shares something with me, I've got to come out with a solution. How do I fix that? You know? How, how do I make it right? So she might say, you know, I'm really feeling like I, I need, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm overweight. Never for my wife. I'm just throwing this as an illustration. And then I come up with a whole diet exercise plan because I feel like I have. She's just expressing something. You still with me? Sometimes you just need to, someone to, she just needs someone to listen to her. And sometimes you just need to, understanding means just listen. Understanding also means that leading doesn't mean 
cutting her out of decisions. Okay. I have a, a little extra time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump sideways for just a few minutes. I did this earlier. It wasn't in my notes. But there is a concept in, in uh, Ephesians 5 that says that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And there has been a whole lot of misunderstanding on that verse and a whole lot of bad teaching that is much more uh, cultural than it is biblical. Now, let me just touch it briefly for you because I could spend a long time, but let me just give it to you. It says this. The husband's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, that word head is used figuratively, right? It's not literal. I'm not literally her head. You know, she can't eat what I eat. It goes into her body. I mean, that's ridiculous. So it has to be figurative. But when you use it figurative, there's three possible interpretations. One is head being someone who's over someone else. One being someone who's in front of someone else, the head of the line. And one being someone who is the source of life, like the head of a river. You've got three possibilities. Why would we choose this one over all these? When you have three possibilities, you have to look at what the rest of the Bible says. The rest of the Bible says that the two are one. Jesus says in kingdom leadership, in Matthew 20, he, he compares kingdom leadership in the world. In the world, leaders lord it over. They have authority over, but not so with you. You will, rather than being over, will serve. That's the kingdom as compared to the world. So we're talking about marriage from God's perspective as opposed to the world's perspective. And then we choose a, a uh, illustration that, or, or definition that doesn't fit that. So based on all that, what's the best understanding? The husband's the head of the wife like Christ is the head of the church means the husband leads. He goes before. He stands in front. He's an example. He takes the attack first. He's, he takes the bullet if someone's shooting. It's protection. It's not he's better and over. I'm not better than my wife in almost anything. <laughs> Tennis. I think she's more spiritual. She's incredibly more creative. She's more loving. So if I have to be better to be over her, we're in trouble. She'd be frustrated to pieces. You still with me? So what does it mean, understanding we're in this together? We make decisions together. We're hearing God together. We recognize that. It's not I make the decision and she just has to follow. That's demeaning. And it's not Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church and he doesn't do that to us. He includes us. We're led by the Spirit. We're not driven by the Spirit. Okay. Running out of time here. Four, peacemaker. P is a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Men communicating love to her so that she can hear means being a peacemaker. 
simply means this. You don't have to win. Life's not a competition. Your marriage is not a competition. Your communication's not a competition. I was raised playing sports, and everything was a competition. I hate losing. I'm, I'm much easier at it now because I've gotten over my insecurity. Yeah, right. <laughs> communication's not a competition. You don't have to win. It's, hey, we're in this together. Many times, she's got a really, really good point. And humility and love says, I need to hear what you're saying because it's actually really good. Not only do you, is it not a competition, you don't have to shelve things. Okay, men can put things in compartments. Men can compartmentalize, and everything goes into a little box, little compartment. And women, everything's connected. And so they just see the world differently. And we need to understand that we can shelve something. We can can put it on the shelf or stick it in a box or a compartment and it doesn't affect us but for the woman it does and if you understand that men it'll be a whole lot easier for you let me see if i can illustrate that you, you ever have uh, christmas lights on a christmas tree or fairy lights on your uh, deck in the states they make two different kinds of those lights they make one kind that is wired in such a way that if one of the bulbs go out all the rest keeps shining and so if the bulb goes out, you can see which one's out. And the thing is that they're all shining. If you've got a, a line of lights with 200 lights on it, one goes out, it's no big deal. You just leave it. It's no, no big deal. But the other kind they make is that if one goes out, they're all out. <laughs> Drives me crazy. We bought some of those one time, and that's why I'm using this illustration. How do you find the one that's out? <laughs> they're all out. You've got to go through and look at every single filament under a because they're only about this big, under a microscope to find the one that's out. This one, the one that one lights out and the rest shining are men. <laughs> we, we can put it in a compartment. Now you know what I'm going to say. This one, one lights out, they're all out as women. Everything's connected, right? It's just all connected. And they see the world differently. And we need to understand that. We were watching a show the other day on television, and it was one of these intense drama type things, and there was these people falling in love, and these people having relational problems, and it was intense. I was exhausted when it was finished, but, I, but I'm watching these people, and watching their face, and trying to get into the, this whole thing, and when it's all finished, Mary says, did you see any lamps in those rooms that you liked? <laughs> and I just, I just started busting up. I didn't, even, I didn't even see a lamp. I didn't even see the room. I was, but for her, it's all connected. And so she just sees the whole thing. So you have an argument about money. And you don't resolve it. A man can just stick it in a box. And then he says to his wife, hey, let's go to bed and snuggle. <laughs> Code for sex. <laughs> See? One light's out for him. All the rest are shining. <laughs> What lights out for her? They're all out. <laughs> now that's why men say we never understand women. I, uh, when we were newly married, well, younger married, not newly, but quite a few years ago, 
I was sick and I had a head cold. And I said to my wife, you want to go snuggle? She said, you're sick. I said, my head's sick. The rest <laughs> of me's fine. <laughs> right? Compartmentalize. We see things differently, and so we just need to understand that we communicate differently. And so, and it's just, if you understand that, man, it causes you a whole lot more grace. See, men compartmentalize. I make a sandwich. Making the sandwich is a compartment. So, so I, by the time I finished, everything's away. And then the next compartment is I'm going to eat my sandwich. Okay, for her, it's all connected. So, I mean, I can even subcompartmental inside my compartment. So, I'm making a sandwich, but subcompartment is I'm going to use mayonnaise. So, I get the mayonnaise out, I put it on the bread, and I put the mayonnaise away. And then I get the cheese out. And I put it on the bread, and I put the cheese away. And then I get the ham out, and I put it on the bread. And when it's done, I finish the compartment, which is making the sandwich. It's all done. Now I can eat the sandwich. For her, it's all connected. <laughs> and so she gets it all out. She makes the sandwich, and she doesn't want the bread to, to dry up while it's sitting there. So she just leaves everything, and she goes to eat so that we can eat together, and it's just all out there. It used to drive me crazy because I saw it from my perspective rather than hers. Her perspective is it's not making a sandwich as a compartment. It's having lunch is the whole thing. And I say, but why did you put that away? Because I'm not through eating. <laughs> because it's, it's all connected. Helps if you understand that. You don't try and make her like you. you sit down and eat with me. Okay, moving along quickly. L, loyal. We're talking about communicating love so she can understand. We're using an acronym that will help you guys remember loyal, meaning a one-woman man. She needs to know that she's the one woman for you. And what that means is you're not comparing her to someone else. See, we live in a culture that our value comes from our comparison to a, a, a standard or a model. That's Greek culture. I, I could go on a whole uh, hour under, helping you understand where that comes from. But the bottom line is that we have this comparison thing in our culture. And so the Greeks, the gods had relationships with people, and they made these demigods, Hercules and Aphrodite, and these perfect super people. And... The more you were like them, the more valuable you were, which is how our culture works. The more you look like a model or you play athletics like a, uh, an athlete, they get tons of money. The more you're like that, the more valuable you are, and you have that pressure all of, all of your life. And we come in, and we compare our wife to somebody who's not real. And we're saying, in essence, to her, I'm looking for someone else. We haven't communicated love. This is why pornography is so destructive. Pornography says, I'm looking for someone else. It's not loyal. Guys, it's not neutral. It is a plan of the enemy to destroy marriage that God has made. Don't play with it. Stay far away. Don't see how close to the edge you can get without falling off. Run from temptation. 
what the Bible says. The world says, ah, no, nah, it won't affect me. I'm going to get really, really close. You know, well, this isn't quite pornography. Let's see how close I can get without it actually being. And then we start changing all the definitions. And Second thing, being loyal. Do you speak highly of your wife in front of others? It's not just what you say to her, but it's what you say to others. See, in this world, we have this comparison, as I began to say, and women are bombarded with that all their life. They're, they're not attractive enough. They're too skinny. They're too fat. They, they, something. Their nose isn't right. Something. They're compared to these models, and they constantly get this message from advertising and from the world that they're just not good enough. And men, you have the ability, the washing of water of the word, to wash that junk off. The washing of the word is not reading the Bible over them. It's the word that you speak. Jesus speaks his love for us. Every one of us is unique. He values us. He doesn't say, will you be like this person? But the world says, that's where you get your value. I'm running out of time quickly. E, uh, last one, E, esteem. Not only issue number one, but we're speaking affirmation. That's what I just got into, the, the washing of water. Are we saying how wonderful we appreciate her, or are we always pointing out where she's falling short? That's what the world does. Here's an interesting thought. It goes on to say that Jesus is creating a bride without spot or blemish. I want to tell you, men, you can create a bride a wife without spot or blemish. You can bring healing more than anyone else on the planet by what you say and how you treat your wife. Speaking love so that she can hear. End with this story. There was a farmer wife said, you know, we need some help. So took him to counseling, sat down and with the, the marriage counselor. And the counselor said, what's, what's the problem? And she said, he doesn't love me. And the counselor turned to the farmer and said, what do you have to say about that? And he looked at his wife. He said, woman, 43 years ago I married you. I told you I love you. If I ever change, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's not the washing of water word. That's not esteem. That's not communicating love so that she can hear. Tonight, we're going to talk about respect your husband. <laughs> See, women don't need us need me to tell you to love your husband because that comes naturally. But you need to learn what he needs to hear. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.